This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 12, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The current talk of presidential impeachment could use a better background in just what that process is, how it's been used, and what kinds of behavior it's meant to tackle. Gene Healy provides this background in his new paper, Indispensable Remedy. It's available today at Cato.org. We are hearing a great deal uh, as we head up to the 2018 midterm elections about impeachment. And Democrats, it seems, are hopeful to move more seriously in that direction if they take over the House and the Senate. Um, You've written a paper about impeachment broadly, but it is not, to be clear, about the impeachment of Donald Trump. Well, that's right. I think in uh, what the paper's designed to do is take a step back from the tribal mania that's going on. You know, uh, uh, one of the the truest things that Alexander Hamilton ever said was that uh, impeachments would seldom fail to agitate the passions of the whole community and divide it into parties. And we're definitely seeing that now. What the paper is designed to do is to take a step back from the fog of partisan warfare and lay out a primer about impeachment's purpose, uh, how it's been used historically, and its legitimate and less legitimate uses. In the paper, I don't take a position on whether uh, Donald Trump should be impeached or not. And in many ways, I think, uh, well, obviously, the current impeachment debate is inseparable from Donald Trump. I think impeachment writ large should not be about Donald Trump, and it should never be about you know, what you think of the constitutional provisions for impeachment, your understanding of them, their utility, shouldn't turn on what you think about the current president because he's not going to be the last president we have. And if you raise the bar to impeaching the president to save a president you love or lower the bar to uh, impeachment in order to, to to prosecute a president that, that you don't like, uh, you may end up regretting the standard you set. Uh, Donald Trump's not going to be our last president, so I think it's important to take a longer view and uh, and get this right. How often is the United States treated to a discussion, a substantive discussion about impeachment? Well, some people don't think it's a treat, but uh, extremely rarely. Uh, In 230 years of our constitutional history, there have been three serious impeachment attempts against sitting presidents. And, uh, you know, that works out to to roughly uh, one every 75 years or one every 15 presidents or so. Uh, I think that's something the framers might have found quite surprising. Uh, They described it uh, in terms of it's an an indispensable remedy. That's something both uh, George Mason and uh, James Madison said at the Constitutional Convention. Other framers use similar language. Uh, What I think they might be uh, somewhat unpleasantly surprised by is the fact that we, we seem to have all but dispensed with it given how vanishingly rare it is to actually have a serious impeachment debate. It's important to understand what were the uh, crimes or activities that should earn a president an impeachment in the original 
creation of this indispensable remedy? Well, it's treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And the last phrase, which uh, had a several century history uh, by the time of the Philadelphia Convention, doesn't really translate that well into modern language. Uh, people hear it and they think it uh, means something like grave felonies, but also lesser crimes as well. But it's not really something that was framed in terms of criminal offenses. Uh, misdemeanors was not used in a criminal sense. And in fact, this is one of the biggest contemporary myths about impeachment. In some ways, it's understandable that people make this mistake, but an impeachable offense has never required the actual commission of a crime. A crime has never been either necessary or sufficient to make out a cause for impeachment. Impeachment uh, was a remedy that aims at uh, uh, serious abuses of the public trust, and those could take the form of crimes, but they could also uh, involve uh, quite different conduct. So officers in the military are faced with claims of conduct unbecoming, and that's acting poorly or behaving badly without any sort of specific crime attaching to it. Well, the interesting thing about uh, the history of uh, the use of uh, impeachment provisions, uh, uh, the interpretation of high crimes and misdemeanors uh, throughout our constitutional history is uh, how rare actual crimes have been in impeachment proceedings. The uh, Congressional Research Service looked at it a couple years ago and pointed out that in the entire since ratification in our uh, entire constitutional history, fewer than a one-third of actual impeachments voted by the House of Representatives have mentioned crimes or cited specific criminal statutes. In fact, you see things like very early on, the very first federal officer removed in an impeachment trial was a federal judge whose main offense was basically showing up to work drunk and ranting like a maniac uh, from the bench. Uh, that was John Pickering, uh, impeached and removed in 1804 for what the Articles of Impeachment described as a high misdemeanors unbecoming his high office as a judge. So right now there are efforts underway and it's, you know, it's frequently talked about for every president. I can remember the uh, movie Annie Hall where Woody Allen pops open a box of his old buttons and it says, impeach Eisenhower, impeach Kennedy, impeach Johnson, impeach Nixon. But how serious is the effort right now to impeach Donald Trump in your view? Right now, I, I wouldn't classify it with the three serious impeachment attempts we've had. Uh, Andrew Johnson in 1868, Richard Nixon in 1974, who technically wasn't actually impeached because he quit before the full House could vote, and Bill Clinton in 1998. You have seen quite a bit more impeachment talk in the Trump presidency. In fact, you know, impeachment chatter began even before inauguration. And you have seen, we have seen four separate resolutions introduced in the House to impeach Trump. None of them uh, have really made it very far. It is quite possible, however, it seems increasingly possible that we might see a fourth 
serious impeachment attempt before this term is over. All right. So uh, what are the people who would like to impeach the president? What are they? What claims are they making specifically? Well, there's a, a couple of resolutions, uh, both introduced by Congressman Al Green of Texas, which are sort of based on public conduct uh, statements uh, after the Charlottesville neo-Nazi rally, a, a few other statements about NFL players, uh, you know, just sort of the uh, Trump's Twitter feed, more, more or less. Uh, there is the first article of impeachment that was formally introduced against Trump was based on obstruction of justice in the Comey firing. Then uh, there's a Congressman Cohen from Tennessee has introduced five articles of impeachment, I think, in one resolution on everything from emoluments to uh, threats to the free press and uh, also includes an obstruction of justice charge. This is uh, historically uh, fairly unusual. Uh, you, most presidents have not, you know, any congressman can introduce, formally introduce articles of impeachment. Uh, they usually die in committee. But only for only 12 out of 44 presidents have ever had that happen to them. Uh, and uh, usually in the first year of a president's term, uh, nobody mentions the word. It's a sign of at least something, an increased amount of impeachment talk that uh, Donald Trump has had four separate uh, resolutions containing articles of impeachment introduced against him. Uh, in, that's just in the f his first year in office. How partisan would an impeachment be here? Impeachments historically have been, uh, at least presidential impeachments, have been extremely partisan. You know, I, this is uh, something that the, the framers didn't quite predict. They, they weren't quite aware uh, that uh, political parties would emerge, uh, although they were aware of the dangers of factionalism. They didn't think political parties would emerge or at least em emerge as quickly as they did. So for a, an impeachment fight to be partisan is really nothing new in, in American history uh, when it comes to presidents. In a way, it's unavoidable. We have midterm elections this year. What will the role of impeachment be in those elections? I know there are some people like Tom Steyer, considered to be a candidate likely for uh, president in 2020, and that's part of his platform. Are there, are there candidates who are making like a substantial claim about impeachment with respect to uh, their individual elections in 2018? There's really kind of a kabuki dance going on where Democratic congressional candidates, for the most part, are running away from the issue of impeachment. Uh, you have uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, saying that impeachment talk is a gift to the Republicans. And at the same time, you have Republicans uh, raising money through direct, direct mail appeals uh, on the threat of impeachment. Uh, Ted Cruz has done this. You, you may remember uh, Ralph Reed, uh, former director of the, Christ, the Christian Coalition, uh, leader of the uh, the Character Counts uh, campaign against uh, Clinton in 1998. Well, he is, uh, he's been sending out direct mail, raising money, uh, you know, with letters that talk about now impeachment is a coup against a democratically elected president. The interesting thing about this particular impeachment debate is the last one was 20 years ago, uh, and a lot of the same players are still around today. 
So it's fun to watch them all switch sides. Uh, there's part of me that thinks uh, this may end up with uh, Trump getting deposed about Stormy Daniels and then everybody can switch sides on whether lying about sex is an impeachable offense. The process here, let's assume Democrats are in charge of the, the, the House and uh, are the margin in the Senate is the same or possibly, uh, possibly flipped in terms of control. What are the uh, technical requirements to get impeachment and then conviction? Well, you need a majority in the House. Uh, the, the Constitution actually says very little about impeachment procedure. Um, you know, the House has the sole power to impeach. The Senate has the sole power to try all impeachments. Uh, they're under oath of or affirmation when they do so. The Chief Justice presides when it's the president's trial. Besides that, you need a majority in the House and two-thirds of uh, senators voting in the Senate uh, for removal. Despite the fact that uh, the Democrats are, during this current campaign, mostly running away from the idea of impeachment, it's quite possible we'll see an impeachment in the House, uh, you know, distinguishing between impeachment and removal, that, that there will be a serious impeachment effort in the House. One reason the Democrats are running away from it in the midterm elections or downplaying it is because, you know, most of the polls show that while support for Trump's impeachment in general is historically high, it's around 40 percent, which is which is high, which is, you know, Nixon six months into the second term high. Still, most people, when asked, most uh, eligible voters say that they'd be less likely to vote for a candidate who made impeachment part of their campaign. Uh, so there's good reason that they're they're running away from it. However, it, a lot of these same polls show 65, 70% support among Democratic voters for an impeachment effort. And so if and when the Democrats take the House, there might be substantial pressure from their own base to move forward with, with that sort of effort. And you know, something similar happened uh, 20 years ago. The uh, uh, Clinton's approval rating was uh, 65, 67 percent in the middle of impeachment. Most Americans in polls uh, said they didn't want the an impeachment fight uh, at that time. And uh, the Republicans went, went ahead with it anyway, uh, in part because uh, it was something their base wanted. So you could see something similar uh, in, uh, after the midterms. Let's say this president gets impeached and let's say uh, this becomes popular. That is, the idea of impeaching presidents it becomes a more regular thing, notwithstanding whether or not they're convicted. Is that a cause for concern? The idea that maybe this is something that just becomes a very hyper-partisan thing that, uh, and presidents just are routinely impeached? That is a fear that people have uh, that, you know, if, if there's an impeachment in this presidential term, in any given presidential term, that will open Pandora's box and uh, people will just uh, impeach the president all the time. You know, it'll become an ordinary uh, tool of political combat. I find that kind of preposterous. Uh, you know, we went uh, after the uh, impeachment of Andrew Johnson. Uh, we went 106 years before another serious impeachment effort. 
after Nixon in 44 years since uh, his resignation. We've had one uh, additional serious impeachment effort. But let's say, you know, Pandora's box was opened and uh, we, we went to a, a rate that's three times as, uh, as fast, as, uh, as frequent as we've impeached presidents historically. That would still work out to something like one in every five presidents or, you know, once a generation. Now, is that too much? Is that political trauma? Uh, some people clearly think so, but you could also say that maybe once a generation, Americans could stand to be reminded that the president serves at their pleasure and, you know, presidents could certainly stand to be reminded of that fact as well. Were the three impeachments that the United States faced, of course, including uh, Richard Nixon, uh, were those presented to the public in the same sort of uh, shrill tones that we're hearing about uh, the one that is potentially uh, just months away if uh, if Democrats have their way? Yeah. You know, you, you hadn't had a, a presidential impeachment uh, in over 100 years by the time Richard Nixon got into hot water. So, yeah, you see a lot of the same uh, arguments, a lot of uh, uh, people crying coup, talking about reversing an election, talking about a constitutional crisis. So this rhetoric is impeachments themselves are not all that common, but the rhetoric tends to recur uh, whenever you have a, a serious debate over a presidential impeachment. Uh, I'd have to say, though, that the idea that impe an impe just talking about impeachment is some kind of national trauma is pretty juvenile. I mean, we, we talk, there's this term, the I word. You know, it's like the constitutional remedy that dare not speak its name. You know, you, the I word, it's a curse. You, you know, they don't, we don't call it uh, the V word when the president's about to, to veto a bill. Uh, but the, for some reason, we're reduced to the uh, political equivalent of H-E double hockey sticks uh, when we're talking about the constitutional method for uh, removing a federal official before his or her term is up. I don't think there is much evidence in our recent experience with impeachment to think that, well, it's certainly no coup. There's uh, That's just an abuse of language. Uh, what kind of coup is it that replaces uh, one president with his also duly elected, handpicked running mate? And the idea that it brings on some kind of national calamity also isn't borne out. The national nightmare, you know, the famous phrase from, from Jerry Ford uh, about our long national nightmare, the national nightmare wasn't the impeachment. It was actually, you know, what Nixon and prior presidents had been getting away with for so long. The Clinton impeachment, there were a lot of apocalyptic claims about how this would distract the country, uh, you know, it'd be inherently destabilizing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, government went along as it does and uh, you know the the stock market barely noticed. There's not a lot of evidence for these apocalyptic claims and uh, whatever people think of Donald Trump uh, really isn't the issue. You know some of these charges may be frivolous, some of them less frivolous, but it's not healthy for a constitutional democracy to start thinking about one of its 
key constitutional provisions as some kind of nuclear weapon or doomsday device. There's no evidence it operates that way. And instead of thinking of an impeachment debate as a constitutional crisis, we should uh, think of it as you know the Constitution working as intended. Uh, ben Franklin said at the convention that uh, impeachment was there for uh, you know to punish the misconduct misconduct of uh, presidents when they deserve it and for his honorable acquittal when uh, when he doesn't. Paraphrasing there, but. Uh, uh, I think we should think of this, of impeachment debates, as the Constitution functioning as intended, not some kind of uh, looming disaster. Gene Healy is author of the new paper, Indispensable Remedy, The Broad Scope of the Constitution's Impeachment Power, available today. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere better podcasts are sold. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.